श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए श्रीमद भगवत गीता की जाए And speak a little bit this evening from the 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. The 15th chapter is titled Purushottam, Purushottam Yoga. Yoga of the highest person. Purusha means person. Uttam means supreme. <coughs> Krishna is known as Lila Purushottam. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is known as Prem Purushottam. Hmm. So, there is a Supreme Person, is the idea. He has Leela. He plays only, as we've often said, amongst the different gods and goddesses and so forth that, that have been posited by different religious sects over the centuries um, Krishna is depicted as one who's only playing and the implication of that is that to play one has to have power hmm? to take a vacation as I often say one has to have has to have worked and acquired some money in the bank some power to take some time off, so to speak. Hmm? So, the one who is only playing, the implication is, is all-powerful. Hmm? So, this is the way the sages, the yogins, in the bhakti tradition, then have depicted and how they've experienced the uh, our source. <laughs> and we are similar in that we like to play. Uh, but we don't have all the power <laughs> uh, to do so. That is a problem. Mm. And of course, as I've often said in, uh, recently, that when one controls by play, and play means ananda, joy, love here, then the fact that one is a controller is not as apparent. If I control you by love, it's not apparent that I'm controlling you. If I control you physically, it's apparent. If I control you mentally by psychological manipulation, it may not be as apparent, but others can see it, help you to get out <laughs> from a bad situation. But if you're controlled by love, then it's not apparent that you're being controlled, and it's not a problem either. Hmm? So he who is controlling everything is depicted as being a lover. Hmm? and controlling by the power, by the force of affection, which, as I say, is, it's, it's not a problem to be controlled by this. It's a problem to be controlled otherwise, hmm? but not to be controlled by love. Indeed, if we are controlled by love, hmm, the fact is that love is reciprocal. Therefore, the controller also becomes controlled by us, and this is what we have in the equation of bhakti, where Krishna is controlling everything, but the devotee becomes the controller uh, of Krishna, overwhelms him by love, by prem, by bhakti. So that, anyway, supreme person is described uh, somewhat in, in, in this chapter. In the previous chapter, Krishna told Arjun, Mam chayo vyabhicharena bhakti yogena sevate sagunan samatitayatan brahmabhuyaya kalpate. That by undeviated and one-minded and pure um, bhakti yoga, one becomes qualified to um, experience Brahman. And I am the basis of that Brahman, he goes on to say. And so this chapter then leaves Arjuna wondering, how is it that you are the basis of Brahman, and how does that work, and and uh, and what is our position? Um, and uh, as uh, as jivas that can attain uh, 
uh, Brahman, by Bhakti Yoga, and understand in the, that context Brahman to be uh, uh, have its foundation in you, and so forth. These are the kind of questions that arise that are dr- addressed then in this chapter, and Krishna begins uh, his entertaining such th- such thoughts on Arjuna's part for our consideration by um, invoking a metaphor. He says, Sri Bhagavan Vacha Udvamulam Adhashakam Ashwatam Prahuravayam Chandam Si Yasya Parnani Yastam Veda Sabedavit It is said that there is an imperishable Ashwata tree with its roots above and its branches below, and whose leaves are the Vedic hymns, one knows this tree, knows all there is to be known. The tree's branches, nourished by the gunas, spread above and below, and have sense objects as its twigs. It also has roots of karmic reaction that reach downward in human society. This tree's form is not perceptible in this world. It is, nor is it, or is its beginning, end, or foundation. Cut this tree, cut down this deeply rooted Ashvata tree with the axe of detachment and, and pursue the place which, having attained, one never returns, thinking, I surrender to the original person from whom the primordial activities of the creation expand. Hmm. So this... Uh, metaphor of the Ashvata tree, as I say, is invoked here to describe something about the material world and the nature of it and um, and its its root and the, the task at hand for one who wants to um, know one's source as Brahman and know Brahman as Parabrahma, as, as the Supreme Person himself and thereby fulfill one's uh, potential for loving. Hmm? If love can be reposed in an object that is uh, perfectly uh, capable to reciprocate, then um, and the love is offered without any motivation, then we have a recipe for enduring and fulfilling love. When our love is reposed in an object that's not capable of reciprocating in measure, or when our love is motivated and it's not fully giving, then uh, such is really a semblance of what the Gita is speaking about when it speaks of wise love, and that will not be, and such will not be fulfilling. So really, in a sense, the Gita is only talking about honing these these two things, our capacity to give by way of finding a, a perfect object to repose that giving tendency in, that loving tendency in, on the one hand, and on the other hand, to hone that giving tendency, that loving propensity that we have by way of um, not attaching any getting to it. And um, and it will be very difficult to not attach some getting to our giving if the giving is not reposed in the perfect object of love who can perfectly reciprocate. This is where really really the getting really is uh, is 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 the giving. Otherwise, it's not quite. <laughs> you're told that the giving is the getting, but it, you know you got to kind of think. Okay, that's. Sounds noble and good, but I'm not getting perhaps entirely. Uh, so this is where it actually takes place. Hmm? We cannot really give, in a sense, unconditionally, unless our giving is reposed in an object that, uh, or in a, in a, in, a, in a center that's capable of fully uh, reciprocating. Hmm? So. This is anyway what what, what the Gita is getting at here. That center, that supreme person, is being talked about as the root of the, the the tree of material existence, which is compared to the 
uh, Ashvata tree. Ashvata tree is is the, the from the family that which the banyan tree, the fig tree, the people tree come. These are sacred trees uh, in India. So the first implication here of this tree that we we hear about is that it's sacred. So even the the the, the profane, if you will, world. Uh, it has some sacredness in it, and that it's rooted in sacredness, hmm? and it's uh, sacred in another sense. Material existence that the the, the, the tree is representing, in that it's uh, it's it's worshipable by us. It's what we worship. Its fruits of sense enjoyment are um, what we find ourselves uh, attached to. And um, loving, if you will, very imperfectly. Hmm? Um, uh, such that all appearance of love really constitutes a, a taking if we look carefully at it. But anyway, we, 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 we do tend to uh, venerate uh, uh, the world. Hmm? We, are, we are attached to it. Um, we're told here it's imperishable, so that sounds good. <laughs> but there, this carries uh, further implications to it. Um, it the, 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 the tree is, is many-branched. Um, in the Bhagavad, the, the Vedic knowledge is compared to a tree. So it comes up here in this metaphor as well. Many-branched means that the, the Vedas, that the world is said to come from, hmm, uh, the the, uh, the the knowledge, if you will, of the Veda is said to be comprehensive, and all action is informed by some knowledge. And so, if you know, the Veda is like the sky of knowledge, in which nothing is outside of the sky, in in, in a sense, is the implication. Then um, it is that knowledge derived from the Veda that makes the world go round in one way or another, moving as it does by the actions of ourselves informed by some some type of knowledge, hmm? even the knowledge of how to acquire, um, um, which is a large part of the Vedas, how to acquire. That's hmm? called the Pravriti Marg, the path of material acquisition. It coaches us in that, how to do that in a, in a, in a, in a religious Light, if you will, but it's a it's thought to be a very uh, sophisticated uh, method that is prescribed there for acquiring material happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has some uh, sacredness in our eyes, and uh, and many people move in the world in accordance with the Veda's directions for material gain. And as I say, that is a religious life, so there's some, obviously some sacredness in that. But overall, I think, in an overarching sense, the world, uh, the Ashvat tree is, is sacred. The, 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 the tree here, that the, the metaphorical tree that the world is compared to, uh, uh, implies that the world is sacred for us. We're worshippers of, 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 for the sake of acquisition. And uh, what we acquire is we're, what we're worshipping. We're worshipping the fruits of our uh, action. Um, um, so, such, um, if we look carefully at that, then we question if this is the full face of uh, sacredness. We may be encouraged by the statements here in the verses that the tree is imperishable. So uh, the banyan tree is very uh, uh, well. You, you see them, and maybe in Florida you see them too. In the, in the tropics, you see them. They they grow and they produce branches, and the branches come down and they form roots, and it makes for a variable forest itself. Hmm? Uh, the idea being that well, there's, there's the material world is vast and uh, like a like a forest. How can you uh, uh, cover it all and uh, 
and there's great potential to become lost within it for that matter. Hmm. Um, and so as we kind of play out the metaphor as the verses do, the sacredness of it, the value of it, the 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 uh, um, it, its value starts to come into question. Is it is it positive or is it uh, is it negative? There's some positive aspect if we look at it partially. Hmm? An imperishable world that's vast, like a forest, and it's full of different kinds of fruits and possibilities uh, for the senses. And my senses are my guides, so to speak, and my mind's demands. And there's many things to choose from here. Looks great. It's just like when you sit down to you know a big meal, and it looks like and you're hungry, and everything's there, and there's all types of or uh, or on a, on a hot day and it's thirsty and you get something very good to drink, but you know, closer you get to the bottom, <laughs> the more it becomes a, a little bit of a dis- the disappointment starts to disappointing nature of the whole affair starts to come on. So, but it's yet it's imperishable here, hmm? imperishable. So we're thinking sounds good, but it's only but if we play out the imperishable idea, we say, oh, it's a little bit problematic. The word ashvata. Ashva means horse, and sta means post. So it's uh, this this world has some uh, some I want to say indestructibility to it, some imperishableness to it. Um, like if you would take a horse and tie him to a post, a, ho- a wild horse, of course, is is um, hard to uh, to harness. But if you tie him to the post. The post can keep, can hold back even a wild horse, something like that. So it's imperishable, it's indestructible, it's like a post that uh, you you are tied to, that you can't get away from, <coughs> you can't get out of the forest. Hmm? And our feeling within the forest of material existence is we're we're continually looking for the more. Hmm? The, you know, another fruit, another nut, another another branch, and as I've often said, in this pursuit of a full meal, we get only appetizers, which ends only in indigestion, and so there is a problem. As vast as the world is, as far as it reaches, with unlimited, uh, whatever, universes and galaxies. And uh, you ever see that little uh, YouTube video where it shows, this is the Earth, and it shows a, a, a sphere. And then here is the next biggest planet. I don't know what that is. Maybe Mars or something, or whatever. And it goes up, and the sun is this big, and, and, and the biggest known, whatever, orb, star, planet out there. They show that, and then they show you back to the earth, and it's like a, like a grain of sand. Hmm? And so it's vast. There's so many possibilities. Columbus sailed the ocean through the Americas, and uh, there's always the material world's always. There seems to be always an, a, a new pasture, a greener pasture, possibility. There are other planets to go to, and uh, uh, and so forth. But in all of this pursuit thus far that history tells us about, hmm, um, no one's gotten a full meal from that. Hmm? And those who seem uh, to exhibit some contentedness, some, um, some um, uh, enduring sense of satisfaction are those who have stopped pursuing the carrot if you will, of material acquisition, hmm? and then they're and, and they're finding that the post that the wild horse is tied to is a problem. Hmm? It, 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 it's it's a domesticating of the self, which is uh, which is wild by nature. Hmm? That's why we like the wild animals. Hmm? There's something we all like about wild animals and nature. Un, untied, if you will, undomesticated, because it's something about 
it speaks to us something to some extent about our own nature. Hmm? We are not uh, uh, um, we are not to be uh, tied to um, material existence and the limitations that it, uh, that we experience within it. The limitations of of well, many of them, but disease limits us. Old age limits us. Death is appears to be a a limitation, and so forth. These things feel uh, foreign to us in human society. Particularly, they feel foreign to us because this, because this self that is not matter is coming to the fore, and in looking for the self, really is what we're about, even while we investigate the world. We're just kind of looking for the self in a place that it can't be found. And, and at some point you may realize that the, that the vastness of the world, its imperishableness, if you will, uh, and, and, and all, is nonetheless uh, a problem. The sun will burn out one day. I mean, it will go on still, the world. <laughs> In some fashion, but uh, the whole show is is different from what I'm like a fish, and I'm out of water. Hmm? The world is like the beach, and I should be in the water. Something like this is the feeling. So suddenly, that idea that it is imperishable starts to become a problem. It means it's difficult to get away from. It's like a I'm like a horse, and I want to run in the wild, and I'm tied to a post. Hmm? And yes, there's some grass here. Hmm? I can eat and so forth. I can eke out an existence, hmm? but I can't ride across the pasture, you know, and, the, and the, the plains like a like a stallion. It's actually like a mare. You know, probably in, in the horse world, the mares rule over the. <laughs> it's an interesting point because that stallion is always put forward as the male. You know leading, dominant. <laughs> but in the horse world, the men follow the women. That's just a side point. At any rate, <laughs> at any rate, uh, <laughs> uh, so um, it's the Pravrti Marg, even the sophisticated Vedic-directed um, path for material enjoyment is, is problematic. Hmm? Therefore, even if you acquire the eligibility to enter into the heavenly spheres, it said, when the good karma is exhausted, there again one comes down, and and so on. So, seeing this, one starts to see the the whatever sounds good about this tree to be actually problematic, and ultimately, as we hear from the metaphor, oh, it's upside down. Alas, the tree is upside down. Hmm? This is the problem. Everything is upside down. In reality, small is big. In reality, the meek and humble, as they say, shall inherit the earth and the earth's secrets. And what is the secret of the earth, of the world, of the natural world? You are the secret. We are the secret of the natural world. That the world has a soul. Consciousness, as I said before, it's not a question of whether we believe in the soul or not. People say, well, do you believe in the soul? We say, well, it's not a question of do you believe in consciousness? Nobody says, they don't, I don't believe in consciousness. We just define consciousness in different ways. Hmm? Some people would like to define consciousness as a product of a matter, an emergent property of matter. Hmm? This is the upside-down idea. <laughs> this is the tree upside-down. The whole thinking is upside-down. Hmm? A stone, like Pujapatrita Marsh like to say, is a, is a conception within consciousness. That, that consciousness could come out of a stone. Hmm? That would truly be a miracle. And those who advocate it are against miracles. Hmm? That would be a huge, that would be an extraordinary miracle. If out of that which has no experience, experience which is so different from non-experience, 
if experiential existence could arise out of non-experiential existence. Hmm? That would be miraculous. If consciousness could come out of the stone, that would be a miracle. But that stone could come out of consciousness, that's, that's conceivable. It's a conception, of course, as I like to say. Consciousness gives names, gives value to things. Hmm? Without that, there, there, there is no value. Hmm? Value to the valuable thing that is consciousness, most valuable thing. It's not an emergent property of matter. As I've said before, one of the biggest questions on the list of, of unanswered questions by science is what is the biological makeup of consciousness. And there's a bias in that question. Hmm? The question should be, what is, is there a biological makeup to consciousness? Not what is the biological makeup of consciousness? Hmm? That is assuming that it's biological. Hmm? But if, it's a, if, it's, if it is of a biological makeup, then we would think that it had an important role in evolution. Evolutionary theory posits that that um, important things, if you will, or properties, uh, uh, components of an organism, arise out of a pressing necessity for survival. Hmm? But um, consciousness, in terms of thinking philosophically, feeling experiencing things. Hmm? This has no, um, um, no, no value in terms of our uh, effort to survive. I, I would say that it, 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 it's more of a problem hmm? uh, for our survival because we start to think about do we even exist? Hmm? We start... <laughs> we start to uh, uh, we might start to be kind to other people hmm? um, which is you know sometimes thought to be a misfiring of the of the of the brain uh, because naturally we seek to dominate over others for our our survival and so forth so and at any rate philosophically and scientifically speaking um, uh, consciousness is a quandary for evolutionary theory. However accurate biological evolutionary theory it is, however accurately it depicts something about the world, in at least there's much that it leaves out. It, it leaves out how, where where life comes from, hmm? how the, the theory that would go along with that is that biology comes from chemistry. That's uh, certainly not clear <laughs> how that happens. And then at the other end of the spectrum, hmm, in the most evolved form of life, we have this consciousness, this self-awareness that, I mean, I mean of course, we, we consider that consciousness pervades, that it's, that it's, it's, it's everywhere, but it, the material and biological form that it takes, makes its appearance in, the more complex it is, the more it has the capacity to uh, express itself in the material world, that consciousness. And it's consciousness which, which does the expressing. It's consciousness that does science, of course. Hmm? It's consciousness that enables us to have this conversation and you know, to, to read, read, read the book and so forth. It's a pretty important, <laughs> important thing, but it has really, uh, it's very questionable as to what advantage it gives the human species from a biological and uh, survival uh, point of view. Hmm? So the question really is, does it have a biological um, basis? Hmm? And of course, as I say, that is part of the upside-down thinking from the point of view of the Gita, that this material world, we've got everything upside-down and backwards. We think that uh, that 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 uh, in, the, in terms of what I'm speaking about, consciousness comes from matter, or that's dependent upon matter. Hmm? That uh, that 
if you if you you, you 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 may say you're a soul, but if you don't eat, you won't live. <laughs> Something like this. So, uh, the the rep the, the therefore the the uh, what's recommended here hmm, in the text describing this upside down banyan tree that has virtues, relatively speaking, but if we look carefully at it, is problematic. Hmm? from uh, a spiritual perspective, well, I said ashva-sta, the, po- the horse tied to the post. Ashva, another meaning is there. A means not, shva means tomorrow. Hmm? This tree speaks of, 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 of no tomorrow. Hmm? On the one hand, it's imperishable. Even if you cut it down, which is recommended here, and the method is given, we have to get to that, even if you cut it down, it continues to exist for somebody else. The world will go on. Hmm? It's, uh, I saw a nice movie on a plane a couple years back, and it was about a girl who had uh, cancer, and some kind of cancer, and it was terminal. And, uh, and so she was dying, and... Um, forgive me, I don't know the name of the movie, so maybe you may have seen it. Anyway, she was... She had friends and family and so forth, and and um, it went back and forth in her life, and and what role she played in the family. So maybe that was it. It was a good movie. Anyway, she the whole it was really fascinating because at least for me, uh, you know, she was leaving and she was comfortable with leaving the world, and everybody else was uncomfortable with her leaving. Everyone was uncomfortable with her departure, but she. Uh, exhibited some some sense of it, it that it was it was all right there was something there was there was there was more hmm? and uh and so she you know she's she's she was the she was the perf- the person everyone was sorry for hmm? she was the person that everyone who knew her was sorry for but she was sorry for everyone hmm? she was sorry this is how i read it anyway she was sorry for everyone in the whole world, hmm? that they would be sorry for her when there was nothing to be sorry about. Hmm? She was passing on into the bigger, uh, the, the the larger sphere, that that into the realm of consciousness that the world of matter is but the shadow of, but a partial uh, manifestation of, and so forth. From the darkness, from the shadows, she was passing into the light. Everyone was sorry for her, but she was feeling sorry for everyone. Hmm? So to go to that side in knowledge and go there systematically, of course we can't really just go there by getting cancer or dying, but such things can make us a little sober as to that which the world is really telling us all the time, that you can't, you can't remain here. Hmm? And so your attachments to things are problematic because you cannot keep them and so forth. So the letting go of them, uh, we may be forced by some material circumstance, by kind of a negative impetus to come to grips with that fact and attain some sense of contentment that there's more and so forth. But here the Gita, of course, is talking about a systematic way of resolving the problem. And in the here and now, coming to know the nature of oneself that is consciousness, and how the biological and the physical world have ultimately no bearing. I'm not biological, so death is not a problem. That's a biological affair, but I'm not constituted of, of, of a biological component, components. Um, I'm not um, something that is uh, limited by time and space. That, that, that pertains to uh, all material manifestations of the natural world. I'm not of the natural world. Hmm? Uh, and what is the, you know, people say, well, what's the proof of the supernatural? Um, we could talk about it in different ways, but I say the biggest proof is is that those saintly persons who exhibit the kind of humility that derives from actually knowing oneself to be consciousness and thereby superior to matter, but small at the same time, in relation to the source of both one's, both oneself and matter. Hmm? 
and therefore humble. Humility, real humility, which constitutes uh, foregoing of the enjoying spirit. This is what humility is. If we have a spirit to enjoy a thing, then the thing is ours to enjoy. We rule over it. It is used for us. We think of ourself in terms of our sensual, mental, and intellectual sense of identity. And um, so we interact with, a, with some manifestation in the world for the satisfaction of the mind, satisfaction of the senses, and so forth. Hmm? And, uh, and so th- with, with that kind of enjoying spirit, I become the subject, and that which I enjoy is, is the object. I'm the Lord, if you will, of all that I survey. So this enjoying spirit, really, is, is the opposite of what we speak about when we speak about humility. Because if I think nothing enjoys, it, it belongs to me, everything is for the pleasure of God and so forth, then I become very small, I become a servant, and uh, rather than an enjoyer, I become an, 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 a particle of serving capacity, tendency, and become very beautiful. Because I'm not big, I'm not the enjoyer. Hmm? I'm not the Lord, if you will. I mean by uh, uh, the Lord who enjoys all that he surveys. I'm not the controller. I don't own anything. Nothing really belongs to me. Hmm? The identity derived from my sense of what is mine is as false as uh, my sense of mine. I mean, nothing belongs to me. So an identity that's derived from that is very um, fleeting. Hmm? Of course, while that identity is fleeting, the sense that we exist is not fleeting. Hmm? But the sense that I am the enjoyer of things, things are meant for my satisfaction and so forth, the identity derived from that, that can't endure. Hmm? But the sense that I exist... There's no reason to think that that will not endure. We have never had any, any, any experience that we don't exist. Why should we think that we don't at some point? Hmm. But that I exist as an enjoyer of things, hmm, that won't endure. Hmm. Am I the enjoyer of things? Do I really own things? Do things belong to me? Hmm. Or do I belong to something hmm, greater than myself and greater than the things? Something like that. Hmm. So, hmm. at any rate, another meaning of the of the ashvata, ashva, ashva, not tomorrow, no tomorrow. It means that the world, while it's imperishable, for those who are attached to it, and very difficult to get out of. Krishna says, "Mama Maya durate mami it's insurmountable. You cannot get out of this forest of material existence. It's so entangling. Hmm? It's it is a it is a consciousness. The consciousness of being the enjoyer of the uh, the fruits of my action hmm? and pursuing them perpetually over newer and newer oceans and as I say, greener and greener pastures and and this has has no end. The pursuit in itself. Hmm? The more the more you. Uh, there's no amount of taking that you can engage in that will bring about fulfillment, is the idea. So, uh, uh, at the same time, that in this sense it's imperishable, and even if you cut it down, it goes on for somebody else. Hmm? Uh, is countered by the idea ah. No tomorrow. That if we look at it from another vantage point, not at the va- from the vantage point of enjoying the fruits of the world, the things of the world, the best things in the world are not things. It's us. As I said before, we give value to things. So, how valuable are the things compared to us? They only hold value as much as we extend ourselves into them. Posit value in them, to them. Otherwise, they have no value. 
who would value them <laughs> if it were not for, a, for for consciousness and so forth? So, so from as we move to another perspective now, as to that the world is problematic, goodness pursuit is a pursuit of, a, as I say, a square meal that affords only appetizers. Hmm? Then we see, oh, we start to see that that, that it is is perishable. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It has no, it has no future for me. No real, it holds no future for me. From a different vantage point then, it holds no future for me. I cannot get a full meal there. People are racing after its, uh, its, its prospect, its, its carrot. Hmm? But by good association, by introspection, by, the, by considerable negative impetus, I mean, a huge indigestion from just eating appetizers. And so I get some sense it's not desirable. From negative impetus, I can get that impression, but then without good association, I make commit suicide. Hmm? Think it's not for me. I don't fit here. It, 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 I, it's just giving me indigestion. I have no future in this. Hmm? Uh, or we may philosophize. And, uh, as to whether we even exist anyway. And, and, but with good, good association, with sadhu sangha, hmm, then we can get some hope. As much as the Bhagavad speaks about the world as being a place that is a struggle for existence where one living being is food for another. Jivo jivasya jivanam. It doesn't end there. Hmm? It says, what is the consciousness, if you will, that fuels that and, uh, and and makes one feel as though they are part of and dependent upon the natural world. Hmm? And what is the consciousness then that one can uh, move in the direction of that um, that takes one from being the lord, if you will, the conqueror, the 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 the, the, the hunter. Um, uh, you know, you saw that movie, The Hunting, what's it called? The Hunting Games or something? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. I saw that on the airplane, too. It was filmed right here. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful place. So they were, you know, hunters and hunted and, and so forth. This is a nice depiction, at least the game, of what material life, the whole movie, what material life is, is actually like. <laughs> so from being a hunter, then, you think, I'm put down my bow. How will you survive? You have to do something very different. If amongst hunters and hunted, uh, you put down your bow and refuse to fight. Actually, in the movie, what happened, if I remember correctly, at the end, the two people loved one another, and they were put in this forest, and they had to fight with other people to survive. And in the and, and then they and the two ended up helping one another. And know that the one person is supposed to survive and get an award, but then they said they made an announcement that the two people, if they were you know in love with one another, they could survive and and both get the award. And then there was only the two of them left. Hmm? And then they said they changed the rules and and only one can survive. So they had to kill one another. One had to kill the other in order to survive. Hmm? So they refused to play the game basically, and they both decided to commit suicide. So then they had to call off the game, and that was complicated. But it was interesting. In other words, they, they counteracted the whole, this is what the material world is like. It's hunters and hunted and so forth. But by love, hmm, they could counteract the whole thing. Hmm. Did you see the movie? Yeah. <laughs> they could counteract it. Hmm. They, they, they could, they could, they could uh, transcend the rules, something like that. Hmm. Uh, so... Uh, while to live in the world one has to be a hunter, so to speak, and one will say, if you put down your bow, how will you survive? Hmm? That will have to be very mystical. If you don't become big and strong, hmm? but going in the opposite direction, becoming so humble. Hmm? And that humility that, that, that is, constitutes moving away from the hunting spirit, the, 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 the conquering spirit, the enjoying spirit, the overlording spirit, as we move away from that spirit, which is um, artificial for us, because it's not our position. Hmm? We are not the enjoyer of everything. Hmm? 
what happens is we become, we become closer to the one who is. And this is what the Gita is recommending here. This tree is upside down. It's, it's, uh, people have all, they're, they're trying to move forward by taking, hmm? this is an upside down idea. Hmm? Uh, you come to the root and we find this tree is rooted in Brahman and you are of that nature. So you come to the root, hmm? and how you come there? By bhakti. How do you cut down the tree, the imperishable tree, hmm? uh, 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 the banyan tree? You cut it down by detachment, and how do you arrive at detachment? In other words, attachment to things is the problem. <coughs> detachment from things hmm? cuts down the tree for you. Hmm? So how do you how do you arrive at that detachment? What's recommended is here in the chapter that you come in touch with the actual proprietor. As I've often said, if you know that someone owns something and it belongs to someone else, then the tendency in you to take it for yourself will be diminished. If you find a dollar on the street, you think, "Hey, I found a dollar. It's mine. God gave me a dollar." <laughs> You know, but if you're standing in line and somebody drops a dollar from their wallet, then you, you know oh, it belongs to him. So you you know you pick it up and you give it to that person. Hmm? Hopefully, uh, so so knowledge of the proprietorship of a thing diminishes within us the tendency to enjoy it for ourselves. Hmm? So what the Gita is recommending here is this formidable task of cutting down this really virtual forest of the upside-down uh, banyan tree hmm? it's, is, 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 uh, is, is easily accomplished by coming in touch with the Purushottam, hmm? the, 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 the supreme person and your actual personhood, hmm? which means that you are a unit of existence. And while you are taking ego and sense of identity as a man or a woman or American or Indian or African, as may be the case. Hmm? Well, that is perishable hmm? because nothing belongs to you. So the identity that, that this is my country, hmm? this is my race, this is my religion, all that, that, will, that, will, that will all change. Hmm? So the identity derived from that, that can't remain. But that you remain as a unit of experience, experiential existence, why should we think that that will change? Hmm? And then what, what, is the possi- what are the potentials of that unit of experiential existence? You exist, you know that you exist, and you have some capacity to love, but you are f- turned towards the wrong object, hmm? towards matter, in pursuit of the love, and a personhood is coming out of that that's not that beautiful. Hmm? An identity is being formed out of that attachment, and it's not that becoming, and it can't endure. Hmm? Now, the implication is, if we turn our loving capacity hmm, as a unit of knowing and existing with a capacity uh, to love, a potential to love, Hmm? And we repose that in, I like to say, a consciousness other, hmm? a significant other. Hmm? It, can, it, it has to be constituted of consciousness, not matter. That hmm? means within this consciousness that we are all constituted of, there is some differentiation, enough for them to be an object of love, a lover and the love hmm, that unifies them hmm, in a dynamic way. So a consciousness other and a significant other, mean, this means the Purushottam is described as the supreme person. Hmm. So the implication is that in relation to that supreme person, a personhood hmm, will manifest within ourselves hmm, that will not be perishable. And as we become attached to that person in love, 
attached because the giving constitutes the getting. I'm getting a whole identity from that that's enduring, that's fulfilling, and so forth. And so, in that context of pursuing that, the detachment of giving up the things that don't belong to me and the identity that's formed on the basis of that misconception that things do belong to me becomes very easy because in the context of giving it up, what's happening, I'm getting... If I have to just give it up and... And there's no scope for loving. I'm 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 a unit of loving capacity. Hmm? If the love that I that I ultimately can attain is is constituted nothing more than not taking, that's a shallow idea of loving. That not taking is part of loving. Hmm? But like that wild horse, you want to run, hmm? Hmm? not just go to sleep. Something like that. I'm free. Huh. I was pulling on that. Pulling on that post, pulling on that post. Oh, now I'm free. Huh? I'll go to sleep. No, you, you may do that, but you want to get up and run too. Hmm? So, so bhakti is for that. Gyan, hmm? knowledge that I'm not matter, that will put you to put you to rest for sure. They will go. Oh God, what a relief! I don't die. Hmm? Uh, but but uh, there, there's, there's more to consciousness, the realm of the subjective world, than that. And here, the supreme person, the Purushottam, is brought into the into the into the picture, and in the ideas, we move away from the world by moving towards Him, hmm? and really, the, all the more that you could possibly be than. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll come to the fore. And this detachment, which is a huge task, you know, to take an axe to the tree, to the metaphorical tree of Ashvata tree of the material world, and it's upside down, and it's, where do you stand, you know, when, how do you cut a tree when it's... Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, it becomes easy, is the idea. Hmm. So, any question? Detachment is kind of the f- first stage of loving. It's not an end to itself. It's a reaction. Attachment, detachment. Hmm? You know, we have to use to be Hegelian. We have a thesis, we have an antithesis, and we have a synthesis. So, the 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 the, the I guess the thesis is we're all attached. The antithesis antithesis is. Detachment. Hmm? That's the other side. Hmm? Okay, but then then what? Hmm? So a, re- a reaction to a problem is 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 doesn't constitute the the entirety of the solution to the problem. So bhakti is the synthesis then, and indeed, see the measure of the detachment that comes from bhakti, in that one can remain in the world. And interact with things, but uh, not be of the world and controlled by the things that you think you are the controller of. You know, you think I'm the controller. I will go and buy what I want. I have a credit card. I buy the thing, but the thing is actually controlling me. The thing is forcing me to do where my will is practically. Uh, non-existent. I mean, it's, it, we are a unit of will, but our own capacity to do and choose hmm, is uh, very much inhibited by our material sangskar for taking the things. Now, I thought I took, but the things are taking me. Hmm. I have no life of my own. Therefore, we need someone to come in, a Tarzan to come in. Hmm. You're just in the quicksand going down. Tarzan has to swing in and say, just hold on to the rope. Pull you up, and when you pull it up, put on the dry ground. Yeah, you're full of mud and stuff like that, and that's okay. That will go away. <laughs> so, so, yes, I'm sorry. Question? In the, in the concept of Ashva, no tomorrow, does that mean that we stay in the moment because it's always the moment? 
Yeah, well, it means something like that. It means that um, when we realize that there is no tomorrow, in other words, that the world has uh, material acquisition is, is not a bright future for us, hmm? then what we one way of starting to do that is to become detached then from the fruits of one's action to perform noble actions, uh, righteous actions, let us say, without attachment to what the fruits will be. Let's take bhakti. In bhakti, we serve Krishna. So we think, I'm a servant of Krishna. So it really doesn't matter if it's a sunny or a cloudy day in one sense. Hmm? If something good happens or something bad happens, there are no problems, it's just different opportunities to serve. For a servant, it really doesn't matter. That's, a, that's the master's trip, whatever. Hmm? Master told me to go out and do this. It was a rainy day. I went and did it, and it was raining. We couldn't get as far as we wanted. Whatever you know. I mean, you know, not, not mean to say that our, our attitude in Bhakti is well. I guess Krishna didn't want it because you know <laughs> it was too difficult or something like that. But, but maybe there's a there's a there's a sense of a servant hmm, for whom there's no problems because all he's doing is serving, hmm? and you can serve in any capacity, even if there are problems. Well, problems are bigger opportunity to serve. Hmm, even, oh. So this, if you really understand the mentality of the servant, there are no problems. Therefore, the fruits of what you're doing, hmm, they're not yours. They belong to another. You do them dutifully. Hmm, and whatever the fruits are, you're offering them to God. So you're not attached, rather, to, 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 the, to the fruits of your activity, but to the activity. So in a sense, yes, you're living in the, in the moment. And when you're, when you're not living in the moment, you're thinking about what you will get from what you do, rather than about what you do. Hmm? If you're thinking about what I will get from what I do, uh, arguably that takes away from thinking about what you're actually doing and, and, and all the implications of it and so forth. And so because people are constantly chasing the fruits in their minds of what they're doing, they're never really in, in, in the moment, as they as, as sometimes said. Hmm? They're always in a future moment of what could be, hmm? what might be, and uh, and the, the carrot is always in the, in their focus, so to speak. Whereas, if they are in the moment and living, not attached to the fruits, then they can start to see the thing better for what it is. Hmm? Hmm? We can't really see what what's taking place because there's something waving over there and. <laughs> I'm after that. My mind is always taking me to the future. If I do this, if I get that, then, then, then. And so you're not in the here and now, and then all that the here and now has to constitutes is not apparent to you. Hmm? And if you were entirely in the here and now, then you would you'd have a better understanding of the nature of the circumstances in which you live and conduct yourself in a different way whereby you could actually become fulfilled. Another question? Yes. Sometimes in our position in this world, you said it's a world of hunters and hunted. Yeah. Um, particularly as like a householder, sometimes you're required to, maybe not required, that's my understanding, but at least it seems like you're required to make it look like you're hunting. Because there's people who want you to hunt for them, and there's people that want you to hunt with them, and you know it's 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 a if you're not playing the game, so to speak, it, it, then it becomes difficult to survive. Yeah, and well, provide, provide for, for yeah, well, even the monk has to has to acquire some shelter, some food, and so forth. I mean, typically they would do it classically by begging, hmm? but still they have to go out and make some effort to get, if you will, hmm? even though it's by ta by begging. So it, it it's a lot different than you know uh, being a stockbroker or something like that <laughs> and selling something that you know might be you know whatever going down or or, or whatnot, selling a bill of goods to people or something like that. Um, so, uh, so the point being that in all situations, materially speaking, we have to take something. Hmm? 
in the householder situation as opposed to the monastic situation, necessity to, to take, if you will, and acquire is greater as we, as a unit, wife, children, and so forth, have to um, acquire for the needs of, 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 of one another and so forth. And then there are, uh, of course, different ways to acquire. And so, how to um, be, how to give up the hunting and stop being hunted and live in the world uh, um, as a monk or as a householder. It's more apparent maybe that the monk is doing that, but he's also, or she's also taking. So the point is what? That there is a quota for taking. There is a quota for taking. You have a license to take something. And like a servant, you have to feed a servant, right? The servant will have to be fed if he's to car- carry on and so forth. So there's a license for, for some taking. So while the monk re- acquires his basic necessities, hmm, so the householder's necessities are a little different. It's a different psychology. So they're a little different. They're basically the same, but they're a little different. Um, than the monks. For example, householders may have children, so that the children have need. Even you might not want the thing, but it might be necessary for the child or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you could say, well, then, you know, they don't have children, but then none of us would be here and there would be no monks. So then there's a place for that. <laughs> it, it, and bhakti is very powerful, of course. Mm-hmm. And so it's not incumbent upon one to be a monk in order to engage in bhakti. Many great devotees were householders. And so we look at it like there are different psychologies. However one is more psychologically suited and oriented, they should pursue the path accordingly as a monastic or as a householder. And as a householder, then, yes, you, you, you should find a means of acquiring that is honest, hmm? Um, that's why we say no gambling, the implication you should do an honest day's work. And I suppose there's a fine line sometimes about what that, what that constitutes in, in the world, especially a Vaisha-oriented type, you know, greed-oriented capitalist uh, um, economy and so forth. But anyway, to find an honest uh, form of, of livelihood. And then within and meet one's needs, and then with one's expendable income. Hmm? One has fun money, you know, besides one what, need, what one needs, if you will. And, and one needs some recreation, too. One needs to go to uh, Dollywood, you know, for example, <laughs> as some of our friends are. Hmm? So, uh, you know, you have to... Gita says one should be regulated in one's eating, sleeping, and recreation. So, in order to, you know, survive, one needs some rec- recreation, and then you have to, you know, har- curb that to one extent or another, within within reason, and so forth. And then, beyond that, then there's there's extra expendable income. It's not like all of your expendable income should be spent only in recreation. Hmm? But some some of the necessities should include uh, expenditures, some measure of recreation within, within reason, and then above and beyond that, what becomes fun for you, what is, becomes your preoccupation, and what you are centered on is your spiritual life. So you spend that fun money for spiritual life, for opening temples, for creating projects like this for printing books and, and serving uh, saintly persons and so forth. That be, when that actually becomes, when that actually becomes fun, hmm? that, that, you know, I'm, that, that I'm saving some money that I can, you know, buy this for the ashram or something like that. Hmm? This is then um, how you have, uh, are, are working within what constitutes your quota, so to speak, for taking, and you will not be implicated um, by the taking. You're really moving away from the hunters and hunted life. That's an overall answer. Now, you're, what you're saying is sometimes in the world, the job 
I guess they pressure you to get out and make sales or something like that, and you have to have a little bit of a aggressive attitude and so forth. Um, and you have to get a, the early bird gets the worm kind of a thing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think that that can all be um, um, that may be necessary to some extent. Um, but how you again use the expendable income will compensate hmm, for any measure, any extent to which you seem to have to be in, a, in an aggressive and a taking disposition. After all, you think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be successful here. And devotees should be household devotees should be as successful in their realm, in one sense, as they could be. We think that's good. You should be the best attorney, be the best doctor, uh, and, and so forth. If you're, you know, driven by that uh, propensity and so forth, um, and but but above and uh, beyond all that, to be be a, a devotee, a devotee, doctor, lawyer, uh, Indian chief, or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, so if you add, you know, if you factor this into your life, then I, 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 it, it doesn't mean. Prabhupada used to say, like a lion on the chase and a lamb at home, something like that. So even in the preaching world of the sadhu, if the monk is doing preaching, he or she has to be aggressive sometimes and say, no, and this is wrong, and don't do like that, and and, and struggle with, uh, with, the, with the world to you know, uh, 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 create facilities for Krishna consciousness and so forth so they have to do that too hmm? so but it's you know it's, it's all for but but at home then like a, like a lamb hmm? something like that so humility let's take humility okay humility but it's not abstract it's humility before God so humility before God may mean that I'm 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 like uh, like um, like a uh, like a, a lion on, on the chase, you know, for God. If, if, they, if my service comes that I have to do something for Krishna and there's obstacles, then uh, it, there's a saying, if you deal with politicians, you have to be a politician, something like that. So you, the devotee knows who I'm dealing with. Hmm? And then he can be also aggressive. Hanuman was very aggressive for Ram. When dealing with Ravan, who was aggressive, try to steal Sita. How aggressive could you? More aggressive could you be? Steal someone's wife. <laughs> huh? So he became aggressive. So there's a place for that in bhakti. So you can look at it like that. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm having to get ahead, so to speak, and and uh, and uh, um, fight my way with, if you will, through, through through the world to get a position in the company and. Something, but my end game, hmm, my purpose ultimately behind that, what I really live for, hmm, is something um, that's very, very, uh, very kind, very generous. Hmm. Sometimes the sadhu get angry and speak very strongly, and people think, "What happened? He's losing his temper." No, he's using his temper. Hmm. You may use your temper, but don't lose your temper. So you may use that spirit, if you will, in the bigger picture of Krishna service. After all, bhakti really means the proper application of everything. Nothing is done away with. All right, we stop there. Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai. Sri Sri Gauradamadav ki jai. Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Bhakta Vrinda ki jai.